Hello, and welcome to the You Theory Podcast. I am your host, Mahalia, and on this show, we tap into you. Yes, the theory of you through the methods of discussion, reflection, and transformation. That means that we don't tiptoe, we deep dive. And if you want to kick it on this side, just know we leave nothing behind, okay? (laughs) Without further ado, here is You Theory. I don't want to make this about me, but you're not here anymore and I really wish you could have seen your own beauty. I really wish you knew you could have called me, could have counted on me. Maybe you just forgot. I won't hold it against you, I just miss you. Your presence was a blessing and it's hard addressing these memories, but it's overdue. I miss the way your smile lit up the room. How you cooked up some good love and served it with that big spoon. You forgot to feed yourself though. Didn't taste the love on that plate. Seasoned perfectly in that meal you took hours to make. You know the chef always gets the first taste. Maybe you just forgot. I loved the way your laugh caused a giant boom. You thought you were breaking, but you were blooming and it scared you. Sometimes that growth hurts and that fear can make you feel like you're living on the outskirts. You didn't know how to manage the pain. There was a whole lot of ugliness and a whole lot of projected shame and you didn't deserve any of that shit. But you were still so beautiful despite it, so vibrant and so bright. Still messes me up when I think about it. No cap, you put on a good mask. Kept your sadness hidden, tucked away behind those shades and in that flask and in that blunt. I have to admit it was a good front. Cracking those corny jokes so we wouldn't know how badly you were hurting or how deep that torment goes. But man, (laughs) I miss those corny ass jokes. But I know now the scars it was hiding the pain it was repressing and the agony that was coinciding with your unbearable truth. This isn't about me and my feelings though. Your soul was just too ancient, too old, too sensitive for this world. But I do wish you saw how valuable you were. You are worthy, you are loved, you are necessary to the world, to me. And I didn't know how soon this will all end but you'll always be a part of me, my friend and my family, and I can't be mad at you. I miss you too much. You always knew what spot on my heart to touch, never too far away or too out of reach. You were a gift to me. And I'm grateful for how long I had you for, and I won't complain, but I do wish you would come knock at my door. Allow me to touch your face one more time. It's different now. But I know I'll see you again. Just as sure as the flowers attract the bees or the waves dancing to the light of the moon on the seas, this is a sure thing. Because I saw you in my dreams and you were just as perfect as I remember, lit up and warm like the embers of a fire. You kept it cozy around here. But you're gone now. So for you, I'll keep burning that flame. And no, I'm not mad. And no, you're not to blame. It's just something unfortunate that I wish never happened. Something I wish I can go back in time and change, but... (sighs) Maybe you were remembering when you could fly. 
that if you jumped, you'd sprout wings and soar like the messengers in the sky. Maybe you thought if you took those pills, you'd finally sleep good. Wake up well-rested, separated from your ills. Maybe you thought the gun was loaded with a blast of warm water to clear the cobwebs from your brain. Unclog those negative thoughts that kept blocking your drains. You were just looking for some relief. A little less self-loathing to make you feel a little more at ease. You just didn't know the grief that was left to be felt. Those were the cards that were dealt, but I do wish you had time to heal. I wish you lived a long life to die with enough regrets, but since your death, I've learned we can create our own lane. And not every path looks the same. Don't need to be bogged down by others' expectations of you or living the life they intended for you. We can do whatever the fuck we want. I wish you knew that back then. Wish you had the courage to live for you and not them could have seen all your God-given gifts all your skills and all your talent. And just by being around, your energy kept everything in balance. One thing I'll never do is forget you. I'll say your name in prayer every morning when the fog collects into perfectly round marbles on the edge of a blade of grass in the form of morning dew, I'll see you soon. And when I do, we'll pick up where we left off. Laugh this shit off and start brand new. I'm looking forward to it. And I hope you are too. It's me. <laughs> I'm screaming. My name is Taylor Waits. She day. I'm a DJ, content creator, PhD student, dog mom, lesbian cousin who hates having people in her house. And I smoke weed every day. Every day. Smoke weed every day. Oh my gosh, you are so crazy. You literally are 17 different things at once. Like at the same damn time. At the same damn time. Your mind must never rest. Do you ever sleep? All the time. My body <laughs> needs me to sleep. Our bodies need sleep. One of the things I used to talk to my friends about all the time, like, why do we have to sleep and eat? Right. Right. No, like, I'd be doing so much more stuff if I didn't have to sleep and eat. But exactly. I'll be a lot further in life if I didn't have to sleep or take the time to actually poop out what I eat you know that it takes takes time yes so you pretty much got the introduction to Taylor and the 25 different things that she does um is there any way that people can like access you if they want to access you after this interview because I'm sure there's so many ways to access me but um, mainly go to my website, taylorwaits.com, T-A-Y-L-O-R-W-A-I-T-S. And that'll link you to my Instagram, my YouTube, my Patreon, basically anything under the sun that I do. So start there and branch out and enjoy. Yes. And another lovely thing that you should know that if you are a survivor that is listening to my podcast right now, um, specifically a sexual abuse survivor, Taylor is an advocate for it. And she has a whole movement called Change Rape Culture. And she actually featured some of my poetry on there. I was like, wow, this is a great opportunity for me to kind of like release this shit Mm -hmm. that I've been feeling all these years. And she didn't let me, like, she didn't tell me there was no limit to how I released it. So, you know, definitely, definitely check out her movement and support it um, because, you know, we just want to be heard. We want to be believed. And, you know, we tie to, thinking about the shit too (laughs) we believe you most definitely 
Thank you. So, okay. So today's topic is going to be pretty heavy, but we, we going to start off light before I tell you what it's about. So Taylor, yeah. Taylor, 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 if you can Not- speak, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I had to say it multiple times, you know, yeah, it, feel, no, it, feels good. it feels good. I love that for you <laughs> and me. Okay. So if you could speak to anyone, um, and any time period dead or alive for only 15 minutes, who mm-hmm. would it be? And why would it be that person? Um, it would probably be Sojourner Truth, who is one of the earliest like black woman abolitionists recorded in history, but there definitely was so many that were alongside her that we'll probably never know their names of. Um, but I love her because there's a story of her that I found out in undergrad when I was doing research around her, where she told this white man, he told her that she's so annoying, like the way that she talks about abolition. He compared her to a fly and he was like, I would shoo you, like, I wish I could shoo you away because you're just always buzzing in my ear. And she was like, if I was a fly, I would shit on your grave. And she told this white man that in public, the, the newspaper was like, Sojourners back again, yelling at white people. She was just like a boss ass bitch all the way back in like the 1600s, just telling everybody off. It was amazing. Um, so I would love to speak to her because I'm sure she'd have a really wild story in 15 minutes. They, you know, definitely our ancestors were out here turning it up. Um, revolution has changed so much from before when you really had to do everything yourself. So like having so much automation and health and access and being able to get a movement across the world without really needing to make any movement on the ground. So they are really, she is uh, an example, a testament, somebody that I hope to be like, and who I think about like every day. Today's episode is going to be about suicide. That is the trigger warning. And if you are unable to listen to the topic at hand, this is the moment right here. You have all the information that you need about Taylor, go follow her and click off and enjoy the rest of your day, right? But um, if you do have the mental capacity to listen, definitely tune in, definitely listen to the very hard conversation that we're about to have. Like I said on the show, um, the point of this show and and the point to get to transformation is through discussion and reflection. We can't do that through tiptoeing. It just will not happen. Um, yeah. Um, as you know, there have, there have been a lot of recent, celebrity suicide deaths i'm not going to say new suicide deaths because it happens every day it's happening right now as we speak whether you want to accept it or not Mm -hmm. um and we all have a responsibility to preserve life not just our own and that the way that i'm going to do it is by discussion and exposing so taylor Mm -hmm. what is what is what is suicide you know mean to you like what's what's your definition of it just an option of death, um, a way of death, a mode of death. It's something that people have done that our ancestors chose to do um, when they jumped off of the boat on the way to America. It's also things that mothers um, have sort of coaxed their children into or coaxed themselves into after killing their children so that they didn't have to live um, a life of slavery. So it's always just been an option, in my opinion. If there's a revolution tomorrow and North Korea is going to bomb us. I'm sure a bunch of people are going to commit suicide. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's just, it's just an option. It's a mode of death. It is the choice to 
end things. But to me, it's also like the final statement of nigga, hear me out. Yeah. And if that was to ever happen to me, it would be my final call to the seriousness of suicide. Now that I know your definition, let's talk about experience with it. Um, have you ever, have you ever attempted suicide by your definition? Mm -hmm. And if so, how old were you when you made your first, um, attempt? Yes. I'm a five-time suicide attempt survivor. Um, cause when you complete suicide, it's called suicide completion. Mm -hmm. Just to add into like, like you said, the normalizing, even though I hate that word, but just bringing into conversation that suicide is just a mode of death and that when you finally finish it suicide is also not just the act of killing yourself it's like the idea of it suicide ideation it's a symptom of depression of mental illness so suicide is also you know not just one thing as you were saying um but yeah I definitely had suicide ideations slash like disarming myself as a child like 11 or 12 um, and then had my first attempt in high school and like senior, junior year high school, which continued on throughout my senior year of high school. Yeah. That's crazy. I've, I've known you since high school. So bitch, I didn't even know. Of course. <laughs> I That's didn't. One of the other side effects is like, we're all really good liars. Very uh, much so. Which is nice. We're all good at like saving face. So, you know, suicide survivors have skills. Most definitely. Right. You'll, you'll <laughs> never know what's going on in my mind, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> this is sad. <laughs> okay. So we are laughing, not because we are insensitive about the topic. We we live in the shit. We we know how yeah. serious it is. You gotta laugh to keep crying, man. Right. This is why this is how we're moving forward. And we'll get to that later in the show. But yeah, girl, you said 11. I was around that same age as well. Um, I got mad, I was frustrated. I always had a little attitude when I was a little girl and it was always because I couldn't express like I'm hurting can somebody listen to me but they only right. listened whenever I had an attitude they only paid attention to me whenever I cut up or whenever mm -hmm. I got good grades so I did both increase yeah. the attention right yeah. right so be a smart badass that's what I was mm -hmm. and one day I just wasn't being heard I was having a tantrum and I took a belt to the to my room and I say, you know what? I'm going to do this with this belt. And my dad stopped the whole situation. My dad has been the one to stop the first attempt and the last attempt that I had, which was at 24. Mm -hmm. So very recent. I don't know how many times yeah. I have, like you, like you said, five. I don't, I don't know. It's just um, spur moments type shit. Like I can't take this. So right. um, hopefully that phase of my life is definitely over, which is why I'm having this discussion. <laughs> um, okay. So this conversation is going to be more specific on suicide um, as it pertains to Black youth. Um, we could talk about suicide throughout the, the lifespan of a person, but it's something very important that I read in this New York Times um, article that I will include in the description whenever I post this so that you can read it for yourselves as well. But basically, the article was pretty much saying that black children are the rate of suicide amongst black children it's increasing and when you go even deeper into black children black girls are committing suicide at a higher rate than black boys and you and just just 
just hearing that like really just like kind of saddened me because I remember being a black girl wanting to kill myself but it was this one particular little block in the article that said the experiences of the African-American child are like none other in the United States said Lavam or Lavum Robinson, a clinical psychologist and professor of psychology at DePaul University in Chicago, who has studied suicidality in the black, um, in black adolescents. Um, she also said that we live in a society that marginalizes us more so than any other group and has historically for years. Now, what is your idea of that? Like, what was your opinion of that, Taylor? Um, I think as a teacher, as well as a person who offers services to survivors of all genders that across race and gender, Black women are at the bottom <laughs> of the totem pole and everything other than getting an education. Um, we are consistently pushed into sex trafficking, into sex slavery versus with Black men who typically are, um, you know, enwrapped into, into jail. Um, which was sort of like the plan was we'll get the black man in jail um, or dead or out of the home, um, you know, off running off with white women, off leaving the home with no one there. Um, and then also the government aiding in like bringing drugs into the community, just leaving like black children without family at all, but particularly the fathers, which left the mothers <laughs> and leaves, you know, the children. Um, and the mothers who have no resources, no help, who are also exposed to drugs and alcohol and abusive um, situations who are just trying to make the best and who are targeted from systems like school telling them that they'll send them to jail because their kids didn't come to school on time or jail when they're put in jail being abused in jail um, and not being believed in jail, being killed in jail. Shout out to Sandra Bland. Um, so it's like being a black woman, you're not only experiencing the jail, but you're experiencing 10 different systems coming down on you, which is why it's at a, it's at a pandemic rate with black women and has continued to be for like decades now, specifically queer and trans black women as well, um, being killed, murdered um, for just disclosing that they are queer and trans. So it's something that I'm not surprised by, not in the slightest. Um, and it's also something that it's like, I'm fighting against that every day. And like you said, it's it's a fight to not be a stereotype because as I explain to my mom all the time, it's like we as black women unfortunately become stereotypes because of society. It's not like we want to be violent towards other black women. It's not like we want to hold jealousy in our hearts, but we've been taught to think that way. Um, and so until we unlearn those modes of thinking, like you said, and start to protect one another, we're not going to be in those spaces of being able to truly, you know, what I envision for change great culture is to have survivors be free to where they can say their truth um, and not and, and just be believed off that. Um, but to have that is, is very rare, most definitely, especially for Black women, super rare. You mentioned us not wanting to be born a stereotype, <laughs> but we are. And growing up having to fight that as a kid, and once you become aware of that as a kid, the fight is on like you're you're fighting every type of obstacle like as a black kid you can't fucking make a mistake because your mistake yeah. if you're a boy sets you up to go to prison mm -hmm. your mistake as a as a girl sets you up to become pregnant mm -hmm. and a single parent at that yeah and even just living in a binary like that is like 
for people who are gender expansive, it's like the choice in and all, it's like, do I want that or that? And for anybody, even if they're not gender expensive, to want a different route is uh, is unheard of. Um, no. And supported, most definitely. Sure. Nigga, if you don't like, what the fuck? How, how, I see a little two-year-old and I may be like, mm, I wish that little motherfucker would. How can yeah. you be afraid of a little bitty two-year-old? Yeah. You literally I, tower over them. Like, what the yeah. fuck? I went to a black girls justice conference and these black girls were like, mm, I would say six to 12. And they said, I have to remind people that I'm not an adult every day because I am a black girl. And they think, cause my boobs are big right. or because they sexualize my ass, even though I'm fucking six, I have to explain to people that I am a child and that you do not need to curse at me or put your hands on me or talk to me. Like I'm an adult. I am a child. And for a child to have to explain that to people, I'm a child it shows you that it's not the it's not the children who are the problem it's the adults once a child has to explain that they are a child mentally they are no longer a child exactly now they're now they're out of their adolescence and that's sort of the fucked up position of being a black woman because you want to coddle a black woman and keep them safe and keep their ideas and their mentality safe but we know doing that is just going to open them up to danger and violence you so- can, yeah you can't oh my god you fuck man it's so frustrating it's frustrating like you can't be like oh my precious baby you can do everything that you put your mind to and you send them on their way and a motherfucker takes advantage of them yes you have to prepare them for that as well if you've read the bluest eye by um tony morrison who just passed (laughs) y'all need to read that book but it talks about um you know this there's a or, or it's sula i remember i forget which which tony morrison book but the mom kills the baby there in slavery. And, and that's like the point of the book. And the reason why she kills the baby is because as a black woman, you know what they're going to do to your black woman, baby, they're going to rape this baby. They're going to impregnate it and make it, you know, a slave and make it a slave to a white man. And I could either kill this baby so that it can have a, at least its soul can go on to do something. Or I know, you know, this nigga, I'm subjecting them, this person, whoever this is, to a life of slavery. And me having lived it, I'm not going to do that to somebody. And that's the love of a mother to be like, you know, the love and the intuition of a Black woman to know. I know exactly what you're about to go through. I know. I can see it on you. I can smell it on you. You're about to have a rough ass time. Um, And it's, you know, it's taking that sacrifice and understanding, like, there's a futility a futility really in slavery and that you know where you're going similar with like you know death when you're born you know that you're gonna die um but in slavery you know that you're really gonna have a, a rough life a slavery. rough ass a rough ass life until you actually fucking until die. you're murdered killed <gasps> you're poisoned you know it's, it's not a it's like being in a game it's not an easy lifestyle to live and you know as a as a mother you you don't want to inflict any violence or force anybody to go into the world and there's lots of things on double consciousness. The idea of like being black and American is to know that like you're a walking anomaly, that people see you as like an animal or a monster, um, but you still choose to enact in America. So it's just hard being black in the world, but especially being a black American. I, think, black- I think that, you know, you're either seen as um, masculine and angry and a threat to others, or you're seen as how I was seen and still am very much seen to this day. Like I recently had a situation where a whole nigga just came up to me and touched me inappropriately and I'm fully grown. 
-hmm. And I was the one that had to just freeze and not react because I could have lost my life. But um, so they either see you as dangerous or they'll see you as never being actually an adult as and somebody that they can take advantage of whenever they fucking want to. So I really think that's the reason why um, that's part of the cause of a lot of our girls getting messed with. Like let let our little girls show a little bit of nub or yeah. a little bit of thigh meat. Yes, a man can't control himself. Can't yeah. control themselves. Like, mm-hmm. and it's women that mess with girls too. So, um, I feel like a lot of our girls are just going through things sexually that they yeah, shouldn't be abuse, going through. And just dealing with children is, especially being a teacher, it's all about power. That's mm-hmm. all abusers want is to know that they have power over you. And doing that with a child is like, of course, I, like you said, I'm bigger than them. I can control them. They don't know a lot of stuff. You know, people that take advantage of children are losers, lame. They don't, they don't, they're not anything in real life. So they manipulate people who are vulnerable. And it could be a child or, you know, for abusers like mine, they, they look for strong, independent people who are looking for someone to like rely on. They're like, ooh, I could be this pivotal point for this strong person to come in and be the strong person then they gaslight you with all of the things that they're helping you with it's like well if you're so strong why don't you xyz abusers go after what they know that they can do um and specifically people that abuse children are a special breed of like i'm gonna full of trickery and gaslighting and manipulation and all those other sorts of stuff because you know children are innocent they'll believe you so being a survivor being a black woman being a black girl Sometimes you don't even get to process what's happened to you until you are thrusted into responsibility with another Black girl. And that doesn't have to be with having a child. That could just be with, like I said, being a caretaker, being a teacher, being around Black youth in general, um, and having to see, like you said, all of the problems that they have to go through. Like I tell my students, y'all are literally, live, y'all are the first generation of students since the 1920s who have been living through a pandemic. And we're not making it. Your parents aren't. The nurses aren't. <laughs> the the educators aren't America's down bad mm-hmm. and until people start revolutionizing and, and asking for change which is like the hardest thing for survivors to do <laughs> to talk about the truth and ask for change you know we're going to remain in this it's going to continue to be hard it takes people like me a revolutionary to be like we're not going to have class in person there's not going to be grades we're y'all, I don't care if y'all come to class late. I don't care if you come at all. Like everybody's gonna get what they get because this whole system is fucked up. And if we keep playing this dumbass game, y'all are gonna die. Y'all are gonna catch COVID and die. And I'm not doing that shit. It's very black woman to me to be like, mm, no, actually we're not gonna do that. That implicitly says that we have to put ourselves in danger. What if we just didn't? What if we said fuck all this and everybody just got an A? What if we just chose ourselves? That's on the bottom of my syllabus. This semester, I will prioritize myself. Because when does school, when do any, when does any system for a black woman ask you to prioritize yourself? And one of the things that I'm pushing as a pedagogue is black women's liberatory pedagogies, which centers black women's teachings and learning for everybody. If we can get black women to a place of <laughs> white man status, everybody moves up. Society is better. If we treat those who are treated the worst. Um, and make them happy and give them what they're owed 
then society can start to grow. It all, it all starts with the Black woman, specifically the Black queer woman, specifically Black trans women, specifically Black masculine women, specifically Black girls, specifically Black kids that don't, that don't care about gender. <laughs> we have to get to those folks and center them and make sure they have food and places to eat and that they're happy and that their needs are met because then the world would be a better place. But nobody wants that also as no. a Black it's like nobody wants you to be happy no. to say the truth hell no no they don't want that they just want to keep us alive long enough to continue to push the beauty industry forward but um that's another question that's another conversation for another episode damn why do you have to be so multifaceted like damn bitch just stay on topic Ugh. why you gotta be so why you have to be so talented i asked the same you what was your reason for um feeling like you had to take your life at the age of 11 and 12? I think it's similar to like most people who have suicidal ideations. Either life would be easier without me or I'm so alone. Nobody would miss me if I'm gone. Um, Which is like, you know, it was a combination of both of those things plus actual responsibilities that I felt like I did not need to have. Um, Truths and feelings about myself and my body as if it was unnecessary or if I was taking up too much space. And, you know, I really just ended up not moving forward with it because it just didn't work. I just got tired of it not working. No, for real. No. Like, not happening. So, and I know that about a lot of other suicidal people. It's like, we're just so non-confident with ourselves that when even that fails, it's like, well, I'll just be a failure at life. Um, hence why I told you, like, it's, it is a conscious decision to wake up every morning and be like, I'm not going to hate myself today. I'm actually going to think I'm the bossest bitch that's ever been born. Exactly. And I'm going to enact my day in that way, because I know there's lots of choices on how we can take our day. But Mm -hmm. after hating myself for like 22 years, I just decided like, I don't want to do that anymore. I feel like I don't have to. You know, if I spend all of this time hating myself, nothing, and then you would think after doing something for so long, like hating yourself for over two decades, that you will be good at hating yourself to the point of actually ending it. Yeah. But you're not. So I failed at that. Let me see what, what this other side is about. Can I succeed on this other side? Because I I'm succeeding at living. Yeah. Most definitely. I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So personally for me, same shit alone not being heard, not being believed, can't really tell. Well, not really knowing how to express how I felt about certain things happening. My mom wasn't around. So I was just like, fuck it, fuck it. Yeah. But thank God, thank God that my dad was there to stop that. Like my life ended at 11, yeesh. Uh -uh. There's so many other, you know, black girls that become statistics um, and you hate it, especially being a teacher, I can just see the route that they're going on and see that they don't have the support they need. And it's hard, I've had to leave the field because until I can find resources, I don't wanna be a part of the system. You know, sending these (laughs) amazing and dynamic and multifaceted black girls to the same system that I was sent to. And like you said, there was a lot of other black girls with me when I was 14, seven pussy, and not all of them are alive. Um, And it really, you turn around and you see that some of us really don't make it out and that's another part of the reason why I'm happy that I was so much of a failure that I couldn't kill myself because now I can live on for all these bounce ass bitches. Right. Not a, lot, not a lot of them. You know, that's the crazy part is that for me, I feel like I was the weakest and most non-confident of the bunch of these people who have been 
had their lives taken from us because of men and people in power wanting to silence them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw a lot of that in 2020 of black girls going missing and of people not doing shit about it. Nobody trying to find them. We see that now in 2020, 2022 of cases of black girls being murdered and no investigation going into it or being or being caught as missing or no one you know taking initiative. So it's like, what do you expect to happen when there's no resources for these people and no one's literally no one's actively searching for them? There was an episode of RuPaul where one of the trans girls was like, I was around the corner and my family didn't search for me. I was around the corner and they didn't even call me to, to see how I was because I came out as trans. So until we can start to love, <laughs> you know, Black women the way that we need to, the world is going to continue to be an absolute place. And uh, until people see that kicking some, kicking a Black woman out on the street because you don't understand them or forcing them, which is really what the, you know, you have the prison pipeline for men, but it's the sex work and sex slavery pipeline for Black women because our bodies have value, our, our um, or black non-men specifically, anybody with a vagina, um, even trans women who don't have vaginas, um, our genitals, our bodies, the idea that someone can, can invade it at their will is really what we're hiding from, what we're trying to be saved from, what we, not, really, not even necessarily saved from, because I don't want anyone to save me, I want to kill niggas. I want just, <laughs> um, I want people to enact my anger and not have to go to jail. Um, as we also saw with Black women who gone to jail for killing their abusers, for killing the men that have kidnapped them, it's fucked up on all ends. So for us, it's like you have to tiptoe around the people around you. You got to tiptoe around other survivors. You got to tiptoe around, um, you know, the people who want to cause you harm. And you got to tiptoe around the people who say they have your best interests at heart. Maybe if people just talk to you before, instead of just assuming things of you or not hearing where you're coming from, you'd have to think the same way um, as we both know with drug addicts, with people who suffer from disease, who are mentally ill, who are abused, who carry their trauma. We also are problematic and have things in our lives that we're fixing. And it's just, I tell my coworker this every morning, we have to offer ourselves the same grace that we're giving everybody else. We let everybody else slide and walking over our boundaries. But when it's time for us to set one, you know, niggas are all up all up in, in arms, hence why, like I said, muting and blocking. <laughs> That's something that we posted on Change Rape Culture in our Instagram about how you can just change rape culture while you're on social media. If someone's talking about rape culture in a way that's damaging and hurtful, you don't have to put your ad out there and talk about it. Report their page, block them, tell your close friends, you know, in your close friend story, can, if y'all could block this page, if y'all could mute it, if y'all could remove this or remove yourself. Social media is a privilege and not a right. Not a lot of, not everybody in the world has a fucking smartphone. Not everybody in the world has time or energy or money to dedicate to being on social media. So navigate it and tailor it to how you want it to be seen. Like you don't have to look at the news if that's what you don't want to see. You don't have to look at self-help advocates. You don't even have to look at survivors. If you don't even feel like thinking, all you want to see is pictures that soap shit where they cut the soap <laughs> or the motherfucking fake ass cake shit the cake shit then just watch that just have a feed of cake shit like your life Oceans. your social media all of that there's so many things that we can't control right you can't control in your life take full control over it including your life and once i was like damn if i'm taking control of my life i keep want to kill these niggas not myself hmm. i'd rather hurt them and not even necessarily in a form of revenge hurting them by moving forward and being happy and being that bitch and walking around and exuding like, damn, this bitch really, I want, I really want, was praying on this bitch's downfall. 
which is also something that gets me through my other suicidal ideations. Cause like you said, it doesn't stop. I have, as we get older, unfortunately we get more responsibilities. Life is not going to get, I wouldn't All say right. life isn't going to get easier. You're going to have more experiences that are going to help you navigate through life a little bit easier. So mm-hmm. I might've been anxious about school when I first went to high school, but now having so much time writing at school is so, I'm so confident when it comes to school, nobody can tell me shit when it comes to school, because I know what I'm talking about. I'm getting a PhD. My job is school. So I've worked with so many black kids, all this other sorts of stuff. I didn't feel that way before I started doing those things. And I had to have those moments of inadequacy or I feel, I wish I was doing more. I want to be seen in the community in order for me to be pushed to be like, well, yeah, go do it. Go be in the community, which is what I tell people now as a suicide survivor, it's either you put the pedal to the metal or you watch yourself die. There's no other option. There's literally like no, like there's no, sometimes there is not (laughs) enough time to have that grace. Yes, show yourself grace, but sometimes you can't stay in that grace period too damn long because you know the severity of your situation is literally life or death. And that brings me to my next question. Like, what exactly do you do to, from from being 11 all the way up to, what are you, 24 now? You're about mm-hmm. to be, okay. Um, what do you What do you do to make sure that you do not, that you stay here, not only stay here, but thrive, not just survive, a suicide right. thriver or survivor, you know, somebody who's really living life type shit. What yeah. do you do to ensure that versus going back into the pits of hell, wanting to die? Like, what do you do? Yeah, it's something I tell a lot of survivors, which is like, you just have to take every moment to be that bitch. There, every day is a moment to be that bitch. And however being that bitch is to you is how you need to enact it. For me, as a fire sign, I love dressing and looking well, taking care of my body and having a clean home. Those things are really important to me. It's really the only area that I have control in in my life. Everything else is sort of thrown my way. And as my me and my therapist talk about, when I have control over my life, I, I like to do it how I want to do it. I dress the way that I want to dress. I wear the hair that I want to wear. I wear the makeup I want to wear. I mold my body and my presentation to how I'm feeling. And that is one way in which you know, I literally have a, a reason to live today. I'm going to Aldi to look like a hot ass bitch. Why else would I want to live today? Because I'm going to, my pussy's going to be on fire today. You know, sometimes those are my reasons. Some, a lot of the times I'll think of the people who love me um, and who would hate to see me gone. Um, yeah. And I think about them every day, not as a guilt, but as a, how can I show these people that I love them in case they're feeling these ways? Let me not make this about me. Let mm-hmm. me find ways to actually do what I wish people did for me, which is tell me they love me in those moments. Let me call somebody and say, I love them today. Let me text somebody and say, I know that they can push it through because those are things that I, I would want people to do for me. Um, you know, pour into people's cup instead of always taking from it. Think about your community, think about the things that you want to do. And then also, like you said, just like romanticizing my life, having fancy dinner because I fucking feel like it. Sometimes giving yourself grace is just turning your phone off for an hour. For Like you said, for me, I have so much going on and people who, who I'm literally responsible for. So me falling off the face of the earth is just not an option, um, which is one of the things that pushed me towards suicide. Like, I feel like even if I killed myself, I'd be putting people in a worse position. Like, what the fuck? But it's, not, it's less about that and it's more so how I want to live my life. And when, I, when people look back on my life, I want them to see that I did all that I could. And I just want to do my best. <laughs> and so that's what I do every day to survive, to thrive and not just survive as I do my best. I put, I water the flowers on my altar. I talk to my grandmother. I cook. 
I tell people I love them. I watch funny videos. I do what's best for me. Um, but you really have to find your routine. What makes you want to live? And sometimes making, maybe even make, starting off making a list, reasons to live. Um, I know a lot of uh, survivors who do that, especially a lot of us who survived molestation or like things as a child. It's important to connect with that inner child and to understand like, what are they needing? What do I need right now? I mean, and to think of it that way is like, wow, this person had to die in order for change to happen. I just don't necessarily believe in that. I think we can always prevent an early death or an onset death or an anxious death or a depressed death by caring about people. Um, and making that a less viable option would obviously be the goal. Alrighty, we have finally made it to the end of my very first interview on you theory and i just want to give thanks to the two guests that i had on my show today well not today but a very very long time ago (laughs) um first off the poem that i started the show off with i wanted to set the tone of you know the effects of suicide on loved ones left behind, as well as the struggle that a person who, you know, deals with suicide ideation, I wanted to highlight the struggle that they actually go through. And this poet, this beautiful, beautiful poet, delivered the message perfectly. And she goes by Saj. And I really want you guys to follow her Instagram page. Um, I met her at a poetry workshop and when she speaks, (laughs) it's just so calming. It feels like ocean waves hitting your feet on a summer day. Like it's so peaceful. And, um, so her Instagram is S H A I S A M I I. Follow her. She is an amazing poet as well as an amazing hairstylist. Like us artists, we we be good at a lot of stuff. Okay. So she is a lover of hair and a lover of love. (laughs) She, um, she performed this poem for us at the poetry workshop about, um, her experience with a lover. And when I was listening to her, I was like, wow, that's the type of love I want And afterwards, we asked her, you know, who was it about? And she was like, I haven't met him yet. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) it just felt like, I don't know. It's just like, it felt like we had a front row seat to the love that she will soon experience. It was beautiful. Um, And secondly, I would also like to send a huge thank you to Taylor Dank. Thank you for stopping by and having this conversation with me today. You know, I feel like you can talk about suicide 50 different ways. You know, suicide affects the entire lifespan of a person. No one talks about suicide in any stage of life and how serious it is until it's too late then people want to ask questions then people want to say I wish I wish this I wish I could have done that but I really hope from the poem 
and the conversation that you take some time to reflect and adjust and comprehend and decide that you, yes you, like everyone else, you are responsible to help preserve life. You have a responsibility to help brighten up life because we, you know, we deal, we deal with so much crap every single day. And you know what? You being responsible for making your day better and thriving instead of surviving is you taking on your share. Because when you are better, the people around you will be better. But yeah, y'all, I love y'all. I really care about y'all. And I'm looking forward to more interviews. I shot this interview on February 2nd. It is February 28th. I had no idea that it took this long to edit an episode. <laughs> oh my gosh, I am exhausted. And it is 1.54 a.m. on a Monday. So y'all better listen to this episode. At least one of y'all better listen to this. If one of y'all listen to it, then we cool. We homies for life. But anyways, y'all, follow my guests, support them, love on them, love on somebody, and love on yourself. Until next time, bye-bye.